the last hour we've looked at the Trinity. I hope it's clear. The Trinity is biblical, okay? Everything we went over is actually a condensation of uh, eight hours plus that I usually teach in East Asia, okay? So right now we're going to work more towards it for our life, okay? And this hour, if you're taking notes, the title is Recognition and the Trinity, okay? Recognition and the Trinity. We've already seen the last Trinity uh, session that the Trinity is biblical. But what is the relationship between the members of the Trinity like? That's what we're going to look at for this hour, next hour, and then the, uh, the final session, okay? And as we look at the relationship between the members of the Trinity, as we look at the mem- relationship between the members of the Trinity, I think there's implication for us, okay? Oftentimes when you hear Christians teach a Trinity, I think most of the time it's often proving it's true, okay? Proving that it's true. But I want to go beyond that to say, let's look at the exploration with the relationship between the members of the Trinity, okay? So that we will be able to what? To live it out for our life, okay? So to begin with, I want to begin with discussing a problem. When was the last time you struggled with not being recognized for something that you've done? Anyone ever had that problem? Or anyone ever had that problem at all? Or am I the only one? Anyone ever have that? Okay. How many guys at work feel that at times over the course of your work, that people might not have necessarily recognized what you've done. Okay? Anyone have that? Yes. You want to share a story with that? Ungrateful children. <laughs> Grateful children, okay. That's a good but, example. But, it's, yeah. It's just expected, but yeah. it's harder when it's adults. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Good, okay. Anyone else want to share? Uh, remember, this is also recorded, okay? But you can share that, you know, about things that, you know, we'll keep it rated G for godliness, okay? Anything else? When you do a good job, everything runs smoothly. Yeah, okay. Good, okay. We're, uh, we're in the context of the military, I always think it's interesting. I always feel this, my biased opinion, that anything gets job done is actually a lot of times as the non-commissioned officers. Your corporal, sergeant, staff sergeant, and then the officer gets all the, <laughs> the credit. <laughs> he gets the nice medal for what <laughs> really is run by the NCOs, right? Now, some officers acknowledge that. Some, some don't. And then it's weird to me, it's like, how come sometimes they get awards, they never, it's in front of the troops, right? <laughs> it's never in front of the troops. Uh, you know, when it's the non-commissioned officer, yeah, it's in front of the troops. But then, then you just see, like, hey, one year ago, they didn't have this medal. How come they also didn't have this medal, <laughs> right? And then you look it up and say, oh, it's for what the platoon has done. <laughs> Interesting, okay? So that kind of thing, okay? As also as well, this problem I want to describe it a little bit more is how many of us could also, uh, to make it even more relevant, how many of you guys also experience burnout when you're seeking recognition of other people, right? If you're seeking the recognition of others, sometimes the first people that get hurt is who? Us, right? We get burned out. We could get jaded, right? Uh, then there's also as well, could we struggle with jealousy also as well, right? Uh, jealousy is like, hey, how come this person is acknowledged, but we don't? And sometimes it's legitimate, okay? That we are putting the effort, and sometimes we don't get recognized. But these are real struggles, okay? Everything I'm going over, by the way, I'm not saying I don't, I, I've gotten it together. It's just I want to go over this. Just to establish why looking at this next session with the theme of the Trinity glorifying one another is so, so important, okay? I want to establish that studying the Trinity helps us because all these discussions we're talking about recognition is sometimes we could phrase it as what the need for glory right the need for glory and also uh to be recognized and to be praised okay but as we look at the trinity one of the things that blows my mind away is that 
the Trinity is what? Uh, I, I was talking to Eric uh, like the last few months. Uh, if I ever pursue a PhD, I actually want to write a very uh, shocking title for my dissertation is what? The Humble Attribute of the Trinity. Uh, now, most systematic theology books, you'll never see that the Bible says God is humble. Because God deserves all what? Glory. All praise. But I actually think when you look at the member of the Trinity, you actually makes it... Because how many of you guys ever struggle with that? Thinking about like, wait, God deserves all the glory? But then wait, isn't that very not humble? You guys ever thought of that before? Yeah, the kids are always asking. Yeah. 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 Yeah, God does not have sin. And also as well, He is a different being than all of us. All of that we could answer, right? He is, he is without sin. So that's different the way He gets His glory and He responded to that than us when it's all selfish. But I also think one another thing that helps us is actually realizing the member of the Trinity is not, about, is not only just seeking His own glory, but it's about seeking the glory of who? The other, okay? Because if God is God and He tells us to seek His uh, glory of God first, but he, if He doesn't seek His own glory first, that means He what? Put something else as divine. So there's that problem. But then yet, I also think it has resolved the resolution of this difficulty by realizing that the Trinity is about glorifying each other. Does that make sense? It's, yes, yes. They, there's verses where they say, you must seek your glory of myself. But that's not the full story. They're also about seeking the glory of who? One another. Does that make sense? Okay. So in this part, this is, uh, if you're taking notes, this is going to be the session, okay? Point number one, the Son glorifies the Father. Okay? Point number one is the Son glorifies the Father. The Son is about glorifying who, guys? The Father. The Father, okay? Point number one, the Son glorifies the Father. That's point number one. Point number... I'll repeat that again for those taking notes. The Son glorifies the Father, okay? The Son glorifies the Father. Point number two, the Father glorifies the Son. The Father glorifies the Son, okay? So point number one, the Son glorifies the Father. How beautiful is that? Now point number two, the, son, uh, the Father glorifies the Son, okay? The Father glorifies the Son, okay? Point number three, the Spirit glorifies the Son. The Spirit glorifies the Son, okay? The Spirit glorifies the Son. And point number four, Applications. Okay? Applications. Okay? Let me repeat these four points again. Uh, point number one, the Son glorifies the Father. Point number two, the Father glorifies the Son. Point number three, the Son glorifies, the Spirit glorifies the Son. And then the fourth part is application, okay? So let's look at the first part, the Son glorifies the Father, okay? By the way, all of this is to see the, we're going to explore this first, and then we're going to draw application. And I think for me, it really helps me think about the seeking of reconciliation, okay? Because sometimes we think that's the way the world is, but sometimes we can feel in the church, we don't get recognized. How do we deal with that? Does, does God know what it's like? Does any member of the Trinity know what it's like? I would say yes, okay? So let's no, go number one. Point number one, the Father, the, the Son glorifies the Son. Turn with me to John seven eighteen. okay? We're going to go around reverse now, counterclockwise. Caleb, would you be able to begin... Uh, with John 7, verse 18. John 7, verse 18. 
18. Yes, sir. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Yeah, okay. This verse, I think, is pretty profound. In the context, this is Jesus Christ speaking. And he's speaking after the Jews were astonished with what they learned about Jesus in verse 15. Verse 15 earlier, Jesus says, My teaching is not mine, but he who sent me. Who is this person that sent him? Is God the Father, okay? And of course, the reaction is, they're saying, wait, who is this? What are you talking about? Um, All of this, okay? Um, They say, you know, hey, uh, you're teaching like you're learned, but you really weren't educated. You're what? A carpenter. But you're talking as if you are a rabbi. What's going on here, okay? And then he says his teaching is coming from God the Father, and everything is, is, is from God. And then in verses 18, what we've just read, here Jesus is speaking about himself because no one can claim to have no unrighteousness, okay? When he says here that there's no unrighteousness in him, he's actually talking about himself in the third person, okay? There's no, uh, uh, in light of this. And yet Jesus here shows that he's seeking who? The glory of the one who sent him, the Father, okay? When he says he, he, he's not seeking his own glory. In his humanity, he's not seeking his own glory. But he's speak, seeking the glory of who? The one who sent him, which is God the Father, okay? So he's about the glory, seeking glory for who? For himself? No, for God the Father, okay? Turn with me now also as well to John 12, verse 28. John 12, 28. Uh, Anthony, would you be able to read John 12, 28? Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Okay. Yeah, so here we see uh, in John chapter 12, this is uh, less than a week before he's going to die. John devotes almost half of his book to the last week of Jesus Christ, beginning in John chapter 12, okay? And in this context, before uh, approaching his death, he says who what? Glorify whose name? Your name in this prayer, right? About God the Father, okay? By the way, all of his life that Jesus done, in there's not many instances where God the Father verbally, audibly speaks. We think of what? His baptism, yes? The transfiguration. And John reveals one more. After he prays this prayer, Father, glorify your name. What does the Father answer? He says, I have both glorified it and will glorify it. He says, yes, I, because of your life, I've already been glorified, past tense or past, and in the future, will it still be glorified? Yes, okay? So, does this show here very clearly that the Father, the Son is glorifying who? The Father, okay? If I had a paper, I don't. Is the Father is focusing? Actually, I do. Anyone have a motivated stick with ink? Thank you so much, okay? Okay? Son. It's all about glorifying who? The Father. The Father, okay? Son is glorifying the Father. The focus is on that, okay? Uh, with that, okay? Uh, here. Nancy, is that an extra? Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. So let's also look at John chapter 17, verse 14. John 17, verse 14. John 17, verse 14. Uh, Eric, would you be able to read that when you get there? I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even I, 
even as I am not of my own. Yeah. Okay. John 17, uh, uh, four, uh, 14, I know I said that, but John 17, verse 4, I'm sorry. It says, I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work which you've given me. John 17, 4, okay. We're going to be looking in the last hour, our final session, a little bit more unpacking a, a section in John 17. But John 17, in context, is actually Jesus' prayer the night before he's going to die. And he's not only praying for his disciples, he was actually thinking about you and I. He prays to God the Father, you and I, okay? I think actually John 17 challenges us, uh, even a theology of prayer. Because sometimes a shallow, superficial understanding of prayer is we only go to ask God what He wants because we can't get it ourselves. But remember, Jesus Christ is fully God. Could He do things Himself? Could He bring about things by His divine power? Yes, He's all-powerful. But why does He still pray God the Father? Is what? Prayer is mainly, primarily about a relationship. Does that make sense? He could get whatever he wants. Oftentimes, we only pray because we can't get something, right? So, oh, I, I, I struggle with this with job. We, pray. we should, by the way. I'm not saying this. I'm not discounting this. But we should even pray when we could do something with our job. We could pray even with the things that are routine. Because prayer is primarily what? About a relationship, okay? About a relationship. Is that, yeah, I could do this, but I also want God to work through me. So I could love Him more. So He could help me. So also, He gets the glory. And so I could enjoy who? God, okay? By the way, His prayer is also for us, okay? But in this context here, you reveal His prayer. He's saying to God the Father, Hey, I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work which you do. And here we see the way we glorify God or other people is by doing what? What God wants, okay? And by the way, we should also glorify the Son. How do we do this? By doing what He tells us, okay? As you see the example of Jesus Christ here. So He's all focusing on what? The Father, I mean the Son is focusing, I know it's probably very faded, focusing on who? Glorifying the Father, okay? Uh, glorifying the Father, okay? Uh, by the way, I also want to be nuanced also as well. The Son does pray to the Father that He be glorified with the Father, okay? So there's times you see that the, the Son does seek His glory, okay? I, I want to tell the full story. Is it is, But yet at the same time, when you see He's about His glory, it's still about what? Glorifying the Father, okay? Look with me in John 17, verse 5. John 17, verse 5. Nancy, would you be able to read John 17, verse 5? The next verse of what we just read. John 17, verse 5. Okay. Yeah, so here to be the full story, you're like, you might say, hey, Jimmy, you're not telling the truth. It is the truth. But the other half is, yes, he is about, as you see, 17 verse 5, what does he say? Glorify me. He's asking God to glorify me. So it's like here, it's like focusing on himself. It's like here, but it's like going back. And then it says in verses 5, still goes back to the Father, okay? With the glory which I had with you before the world was, okay? So he already has glory. He says, pray for this, but yet in his glory, it's still to glorify who? God the Father, okay? Does that make sense? Uh, as we go on, especially uh, the last hour, we're going to actually shows the amusing, amazing truth is Jesus Christ also says that we will receive glory. Now, we normally don't see that. Uh, we normally, there's probably not as much Bible study in our circle because we don't want to be Manson and God said. But there, yet there's this incredible verse later on in John 17 where he, Jesus Christ says, hey, I gave you glory. But the glory is not what we think of glory. We can't domesticate. It's not what, often what we think of glory. But yet even when we see the glory, it's to glorify who? 
uh, glorify God also. So, and I think the way to reconcile is Jesus Christ, His glory, is, it doesn't stop with Himself. Once He gets the glory, it's to get who gets more glory as a result of His glory. The Father, does that make sense? Okay? The Father gets more glory. Maybe I think the analogy we could think about is like, for instance, um, someone is really good at math. In our church, we used to have someone that had a perfect five for calculus, right? But did he get the glory alone? No, the school that he's at, right? His family also as well, right? Uh, maybe some quarters would say, oh, look at, um, I don't know, ethnicity and also as well, maybe his country, whatever. Does that make sense? It's like the Olympics. When someone went first place, we were like, yeah, right? It's not just he gets a glory, but as a result of him getting glory, his nation that he's representing get the glory. And other people, his parents, and all these things of honor. Does that make sense? So there's a sense of, of that kind of glory that's being fulfilled too. He gets a glory, but therefore he adds glory to who? God the Father, okay? God the Father, okay? But then we go on, okay? We go on also as well. The, uh, point number two, the Father also glorifies the Son, okay? Point number one, we saw the Son glorifies the Father, yes? Now we're going to see the Father glorifies the Son. The Father glorifies the Son. Turn with me to John chapter 8, verse 54. Where did we left off with? Uh, Jeannie's turn? Okay, John chapter 8, verse 54. So we're going to look at some verses where the Father, He's focusing on glorifying the Son. Okay? Okay. By the way, there's verses out there where Jesus Christ says, hey, He could glorify Himself. Then there's other verses that say, hey, if I glorify myself, it's nothing. I think He's playing on the duality of who He is. If he's merely a human being glorifying himself, of course it counts nothing. But him as God glorifying, he, that's his prerogative. But yet, notice here, he says here, it's not just, he's not exercising fully that prerogative because, what, he's glorifying who? God the Father? But nevertheless, he reveals what is the focus of God the Father is to glorify who? God the Son, okay? Because he says here, it is the Father who glorifies me. And then just to reveal, because in the context... John chapter 8 was Jews. The Jews were, some of them were reacting pretty badly to Jesus Christ. They're like, what? Who are you? You're so full of yourself. And just in case, because they would think when it says Father, the first instance for them, instinct for them is to think human Father. Who's Jesus Christ's human Father? Humanly speaking, in terms of ge uh, genealogical, legal record, not like biological, is Joseph, okay? But is he talking about Joseph here? No, he says, Hey, let me clarify who the Father is. He says, the one whom you call God, okay? The one whom you say, He is our God, which is, He's talking about what? He's a unique one individual, right? Because uh, the Jews, by the way, there's nowhere in the Jewish record does it really show, a uh, rabbinic record, do they ever say, call God Father. That's why when Jesus says, pray our Father, it's pretty profound. He's saying it's a personal God. You can have a personal relationship because why? Of the work of Christ the high priest, okay? So in John 8, 54, it shows that the Father is glorifying who? The Son, okay? So we could go back to this picture here. This is the Father, right? Again, this is all just a model. It's not real, right? So the Son is glorifying who? With that? But yet the Father is glorifying who? Maybe I should draw another one. This is a little more neater, okay? Could you guys see this? Is this, even though it's, it, it's poorly, the pen is thin. S son, okay? 
The son is glorifying father. Then the father turns his attention and glorifies who? The son, okay? Another verse, John 17, verse 22. John 17, verse 22. Where are we left off with? Uh, Julie, right? 17, Yeah. We'll unpack this verse a lot more tonight because it has implications for unity. That's what Jesus Christ teach. The truth of the Trinity should actually promote unity. Okay, But for now, I just want to make a point that it says here, Jesus in His prayer, uh, here in Jesus' prayer, Jesus didn't just only ask to be glorified, but He already affirmed the truth that the, what? the Father is actually going out to glorify Him because it says what? The glory which you have given me. Okay, So all the glory that the Son has, who gives it to Him? The Father, because the Father is focusing on His glory. I mean, on the glory of the Son. Does that make sense? It's not just the Father's desire, but it actually happens because the Father is what? Sovereign. So everything in Jesus' ministry, does He get glory? By the way, this should also challenge the way we think of glory. Because the way Jesus gets glory is through what? Not through strength, but through what? Weakness. With the cross. With, with everything else God's way is not the way we think Also as well, okay Verses 24 uh, uh, Jeannie, could you read? Okay, Caleb We're going back to Caleb Caleb, could you read John 17 verse 24 John 17 verse 24 Father, I desire that they also Whom you have given me Be with me where I am So that they may see your glory So that they may see my glory Which you have given me For you loved me before the foundation of the world yeah. Notice in this verse, Jesus also says, which you have given me. Again, is his prayer to God the Father. He's acknowledging, he's giving. But really, verse 24, his prayer is to say that the world sees it, okay? That the world sees the glory that has been given, okay? Again, the Father is focusing on glorifying who? The Son, okay? This is what we established thus far. Point one was the Son glorifying the Father. Point two is the Father glorifying the Son, okay? Pretty incredible. I think it's pretty incredible. God the Father could focus on his glory, and you would not say it's wrong because he's not. He's, there's a creature-creator dis- distinction, right? It's wrong for us. But yet the Father took it as a prerogative to glorify who? The Son. The Son could have glorified Himself. But even when He prays for His glory, it's to glorify who? The Father, okay? Do you see how incredible? This is where if I would ever uh, have a dissertation, I would love to explore this, to, to go over this. Because this is incredible, at least for me. Is, you know, when I first became a Christian, I think, oh, God's all about His glory. Yes. But the Trinity, do you guys see how it's dimensional? It adds to the story. It's like, hey, there is a sense of humility in some sense because they're f- focusing on the otherness of the other. Does that make sense? With that. Now, our third point. Our third point is the Spirit glorifies the Son. Okay? So what I'm trying to show here is now we look at HS. You guys see this? HS stands for who? Holy Spirit. He's focusing on glorifying who? Uh, the Son, okay? The, uh, the next point is, the Spirit glorifies the Son. So the arrow points to who? The Son, okay? The focus of the Spirit is on the Son. The focus of the Spirit is called on the Son, okay? In fact, thus far, do you see there's a focus on the Father and the Holy Spirit on who? The Son, Okay? So let's look with me to John sixteen fourteen. 
John sixteen fourteen. Um, could you read John sixteen fourteen, uh, Anthony? He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and disclose it to you. Okay. In the context, this is clearly speaking of the, the Holy Spirit, because verse thirteen, he's talking about the Spirit. Okay. It's very clear in the context. And yet this verse teaches the Spirit using a personal pronoun, He, which by the way, it's not just an it. It is a what? He will glorify me, for He will take of mine and will disclose of it to you. Okay, So the Spirit here is a person and He's glorifying who? Jesus Christ. How does the Holy Spirit glorify Jesus Christ? By revealing the truth about Jesus. Okay? So the way His means is of what? Glorify. By the way, isn't that true like us too? How do we glorify Jesus? When we evangelize, when we preach the gospel, whether or not they believe it or not, when we make a disclosure about God, does God get, does the Son get glory? Yeah, we might not understand it, but yet this is what God's Word says. We glorify Him by revealing Him, what? To others. Whether to believers in the church or to non-believers, okay? So the Holy Spirit glorified the uh, Jesus by revealing truth because it says here for he would take of mine and would disclose it to you I think we should learn the same thing have you ever wondered how the apostles like John is able to write down so many words about Jesus Christ part of it is yes it's true there's people that have done studies that people probably have a better memory back then it's a more uh, memorizing culture than we do today but nevertheless the other thing is also who helps them remember is the Holy Spirit, because this verse says very clearly, He will take of mine and will disclose it to you. And I think also as well, sometimes the best thing is just what? Even evangelism, I think it's good to know the words of Jesus, memorize it, and give Him directly the words of who? Jesus Christ, okay? Verse 15 also shows there's a, a direction of how tr- the truth travels, okay? If you look with me in verses 15, uh, where are we at left off with is Eric now, right? Verses 15, John 17, John 16, verse 15. The next verse, basically. Things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that the things of mine Okay. So here you see the direction, okay, uh, of how the Spirit reveals the truth. And by the way, all of this is glorifying, okay? So the truth begins with who? Father. Then next is to who? Son. And then next is to? Spirit. So notice it's already triune. God's revelation of God's word is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then finally to what? Us. Okay? The word of God is a triune book. It's source. But there seems to be an emphasis in Scripture that it is the Spirit who's the author of Scripture. Because He's the one that inspires believers and moves in it. Okay? So here is what? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is focusing on glorifying the Son. Okay, let's now turn with me to John seventeen or John fifteen twenty six. John fifteen twenty six. John fifteen twenty six. Nancy, would you be able to read it when we get there? John fifteen twenty six. Uh, Nancy. Yeah. Notice this verse says the Holy Spirit is what. Helper. I'm so glad that God has given us. You guys ever have this when someone gives you an instruction to do something? But there's some things that are very hard. I'll give you an example. When someone tells me to fix something with a house, 
When someone tells me physically to fix a car, it's actually very hard. I kind of want someone there to help me. It's very different than just, hey, go look it up on YouTube. Or here's a whole bunch of written instruction from online. Same thing, God didn't just give us, what? A book with instruction. But someone actually lives inside of us to help. Who is that person? The Spirit. And He is God Himself. He wrote the manual, and He is our teacher. John 15.26 shows here, how does He help? It's by focusing on His Son and testifying about us, right? You want to know about, you know, you guys realize, when we are close with God, the Son, Jesus Christ, is because who helped us? The Holy Spirit. Which means the Spirit is focusing on the Son. Okay? Sometimes you read in theology, they'll say the Son is a very silent person. The Holy, yeah, the Holy Spirit. And I know what they mean. But is really the Holy Spirit really silent? No. Anytime God's Word speaks, when we read God and God speaks to us, who is actually doing the speaking? God, the Holy Spirit. So he's actually talking a lot. Every time we're convicted of sin, remember when, when times when we don't read God's word and the Spirit convicts us about our sin? Who's speaking? John 16, 18 reveals it's the Spirit that convicts us, okay? So the Spirit actually speaks to us the most, okay? But why we say silence? Because what? He's not focusing on himself. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit, listen, is not focusing on himself. He's focusing on the Son, okay? He's focusing on the Son. Okay, let's turn also as well John 14, 26. John 14, 26. We left off with, uh, actually, Wendy, would you be able to read John 14, 26? We're looking at this verse to show that the Son glorifies, the Spirit glorifies, it's okay. Wendy will have you next, is that okay? okay. So no pressure, okay? Yeah, it's okay. John 14, 26. Jeannie, could you read that? Wow. What translation did you use? Yeah, NIV. NIV? Wow. Okay, this is one of those rare instances where Bibles <laughs> at NIV does a better job. Because most of your version says helper, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Actually, that word is actually advocate. It's a legal advocate. like Basically, a legal defense attorney. Okay? Uh, you see that uh, translated in John 2, 2 very clearly. Advocate. Okay? But for some reason, I don't know why, a lot of Bible versions like translated as helper. I think it's the influence of John 16, 14. But really, it's our legal advocate, okay? But here, going on to John 14, 26, we see the Holy Spirit as helper or advocate. And how does He help? By focusing us on what? When we feel condemned for sin, He turns us to who? Jesus Christ. So He's focused. So Wendy, just to summarize what we've looked at, we've seen the beauty of the Trinity, that they're not about each other. The Father is focusing on glorifying who? The Son. Right, guys? We saw many verses. The Son, He's focusing on glorifying who? The Father. And even when the Son is talking about His glory, it's ultimately to get the glory to glorify who? The Father. And then we see the Holy Spirit. He's focusing on glorifying not Himself, but who? The Son. The Son, okay? Which is very, very beautiful, okay? The Holy Spirit ministry is to glorify this. Okay. By the way, the book of Acts is sometimes called the act of what? The Apostles, the act of the Holy Spirit. Because the church is all about, and it's always about focusing on who? Glorifying the Son, okay? With that, okay? The ministry, Holy Spirit ministry is to honor and focus on the person and the work of Son, and not merely to advance Himself, okay? Now, this is what the Scripture shows. And the Scripture, the Holy Spirit does that with what? Scripture, okay? There's so many verses we're not going to turn to with that, okay? The Spirit also empowers evangelism, right? Acts 1.8, you shall receive power, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses, right? So how we could effectively witness 
is the working of the Spirit. And everything is this. Okay? Now, let me ask you guys this question. Do you guys think the Holy Spirit... The Father is God. By the way, all remember the... Uh, God himself should get glory, yes? Period. There's so many verses. So many Old Testament, so many New Testament verses. So that means if Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, should all these guys get glory? But then, you know what's unusual? There's not really a focus on the verses. We already saw the Father would get glory because who's pointing to glory? The Son. We know the Son gets glory because Father and Holy Spirit is glorifying. But there's not a lot of, there's actually, I can't find really much on the Holy Spirit getting glory. But we know he should get glory because why? He is God, okay? That's more a theological conclusion. And I think it's a sound one. Is it more indirect? Like, because there's a lot of verses where it talks about when you pray to the Holy Spirit and that's where it's indirect. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think so. I think it is. It's not like where it's specifically written out. Yeah. Obviously, you can't pray to someone yeah. if they're not getting glory. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think the reason why is right now the Holy Spirit... By the way, these things have time element of their involved with salvation, right? That, that's a good point, Nancy. There is an indirect glory. You can, we can make a lot of indirect argument because, you know, in the sense... Yeah, I think that's true. But I think it's also interesting to think about their involvement with time of salvation, which was one of Ephesians. Father's work of salvation was before time. What is that work called? Predestination, election, the plan. The Son was in history, past. He came on earth, lived a life, died for us. And then he's still active. He's actively praying to the Father, and the Father's actively answering. Okay? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is right now the main person that is working. The church age is the age of the Holy Spirit. He's drawing people to know him. The Father, you know, all that whole thing, now he's acting it out, bringing people to salvation, right? Calling people to salvation, effectual calling. Uh, convicting of sin, right? Bringing people to Himself, sanctifying believers. Uh, word of God, anytime we read, we see the Son, it's Him working, okay? So therefore, He's not, since He's so focused on glorifying, He's not talking about this. And I think this is the beauty, is I don't have no verses, but knowing what we saw earlier, that the member of God should be glorified, I think the age of His glory to, is still to come. Just the same thing with us. Will we get glory? Will God honor us and glorify us when we, after, yeah, there's a sense, remember like I said, the last session we'll see, Jesus actually says we will get glory. Again, that's not God's glory because there's incommunicable glory of God. God, you know, we can't get glory because we're creator because that's, that's not who we are, okay? We're not object of worship in that sense. But when we get glory, it's just like the Son. The glory in His humanity, the glory we get is still going to go to who? God the Father, okay? But here, I think what it shows here is I actually think this has a profound implication for our life. That in this, in this dispensation, the Holy Spirit is not primarily focusing on His glory. It's focusing... Have you realized we're called what? Believers, another name for believers is beginning with letter C. What are we called? Christians. Christians. Have you ever wondered, why aren't we called Trinitarians? We are technically Trinitarians. But why is it we're called Christians? And by the way, some people out there actually, uh, I know some people, and Nancy and I met some people before, they go to the Muslim area and they compromise. They, they go around saying they're Muslim because, oh, the word Muslim means submit. And they're therefore, well, Christians submit to God. And they say, oh, we don't call ourselves Christian. But after all, let me ask you a good question. In the New Testament, do believers are, are believers called Christians? Yes. In the book of Acts. Okay? In the church of Antioch, it was the first time. And they say, oh, it was only two or three times. True. But they're still called believers uh, that, right? By the way, I think those people that compromise, they're equivocating. 
and they're very dangerous. It's called insider movement. And they're actually producing heretics. And then they're also dissing real uh, Arabic Christians that are getting stoned for them saying, hey, you're not smart, which I think is very ungodly, very wicked. Okay? When you start attacking your own Christians, and yet you're saying, oh, we, we're so much better. But then all they produce is actually Muslims that, that like Jesus a little bit more, but not truly getting saved. Okay? So now people are finally speaking out those movement in Fuller Seminary and all those guys, okay, the insider movement. But going back on, I think with this, there's implication. Is everyone's focusing on Christ. That's why we're called Christians. That's why when we pray, we pray in the name of who? Jesus. All that kind of thing, okay? That's why we're pr- preaching about Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. It's because this is the plan of what the Father wants and the Holy Spirit, okay? But now let's talk about application. Remember we began by talking about recognition. True or not, the Father and Son is greater than us. True or not, the Holy Spirit is greater than us. And yet, if the Holy Spirit and the Father is about glorifying the Son, first thing we need to do is we need to realize everything we do should be not our own glory, but should be glorifying who? God, okay? I know we kind of laugh sometimes when we see athletes, they do something well, they give praise to Jesus. But sometimes that's actually really good, right? Now, of course, you want to live a life of not perfect, but general blamelessness, general good Christian testimony. But I think we should realize that too. Everything we do well at work, I think it's good that everything you guys do in work field, you, uh, uh, and even not even work field, whatever you want to do, you want to do it well for the glory of God, right? If you're going to be a housewife, you do it well for the glory of God. If you want to be a mother, do it well for the God. If you want to do it well, you want to be the excellent possibility. I think I told you guys before, I have a very ambitious plan. Believe it or not, I'm very ambitious. I want between the age of 20 to 40, I want to minister and deal with everyone that's difficult in ministry. Why? So I have everything under my belt. And I actually want in 40 to 60, I want to start discipling pastors. I want to pull young pastors, like 20 to 30s, right? To be able to disciple them and be what? They're little what? Jedi masters. No, you know, they're discipling, okay? And I want to be, when I'm 60, I write a book on, on shepherding people, right? So right now in my life, if anyone comes over to me and asks, Jimmy, could you be a guest speaker in my church? You know what my default answer is? Yes. Unless it interferes with our church. Okay? Unless it interferes with our church schedule. Then I might have to reconsider slowly, once in a while, whatever else. Because why? I never turn down an opportunity to minister. Any yo-yos, anybody weird, any wackos in the world, I will. Right? Anywhere in the wrong world, if they say, could you preach? My general policy is I want to say yes. Why? So that you do everything well for the glory of what? God, they say that people only do things well after 10,000 hours, okay? And I want that 10,000 hours now, okay? Earlier than better, right? Why? For the glory of, not myself, but the glory of what? God the Father, okay? The glory of God, because Christ is worthy, okay? So the first thing is we need to realize everything we need to do is for that. And by the way, if you do it for the recognition of others, when, even when others don't re- see you, it's actually less painful, right? Because it's not about your own glory, Okay? So I think the first thing is re, we, we restructure the way we live our life. Is everything is for the glory of who? The Son. Because if the Father is greater than us and He's about the glory of the Son, if, and the Holy Spirit is, about, is greater than us and He's about the glory of the Son, even though He deserves all the glory from us, yet how much more should we not focus in our own life for the glory of that? Second application question. When you read the Scripture, do you read it to see Jesus Christ being glorified first? Okay? How many of you guys read the book of Rose Waldo? Have you guys ever looked at the book of Rose Waldo? The book of Rose Waldo, uh, the book of uh, Wal- all those books is about who? Waldo. Please don't get spiritualized. It's about God, the glory of us finding it. Yes, it's true. God's get the glory when you find it, right? 
but it's about Waldo. But how, like, Waldo is a really small, I mean, those books sometimes are really big. And there's more individual than Waldo, right? But it's all about finding what? Waldo. Can I submit the same thing about when we read Jesus Christ, the Old Testament and New? It's about finding who? Jesus, okay? The primary application of reading the Bible is worship. If you find all these life principles, oh, I know how to now have better marriage. Oh, now I know how to deal with my anger better. But you don't worship God at all, you're doing your application wrong, okay? Every first application always be what? Worship God. It's like, whoa, God, you are awesome, okay? You should get high, more high than on coffee, okay? Uh, uh, or and other non-alcoholic drink, right? Uh, when you read the Word of God, okay? Because what? He is worthy of glory. If you don't get high, listen, the Word of God is better than coffee. There's sometimes I read scripture, and it's been happening a lot frequently. It goes to four to five. Because, whoa, I'm like reading, man, this, oh, I'm in trouble now. I started seeing what? Daylight breaking, okay? I need to go to sleep before I'm in trouble the next day, okay? I'm saying that the Word of God is so beautiful when you read it to see the worship glorify God. And maybe that's the reason why we struggle reading the Word of God. Sometimes we read the Word of God, we're only looking at mere duties. Oh, we have to. But read it like, you know, sometimes people ask me, young Christians ask, how long do I read God's Word for? I say, Read it until you get a buzz of seeing the beauty of the glory of Jesus Christ. Sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes 15 minutes, and sometimes like, whoa, he is glorious, right? And you're like, wow, this is so crazy, right? And you're taking notes furiously and everything else, and you just can't wait to see someone else. Like, hey, I think they pull me inside. Or I wake up, my wife was like, hey, man, God is so glorious. He's so beautiful, right? Because he is glorious, okay? Third application. You remember John 17, 4, that the way to glorify Jesus is doing what they want. Do you do that also as well? And I think there's another application, the one that's most profound, is when I do things and there's no recognition, <coughs> guess what? I'll be honest, when I was in the Marines, I felt like, this is, my, this is my sinfulness, this is not objectively true. In the Marine Corps, I'm a very small guy. I'm a very tiny guy, okay? I always feel like whenever we're the rank sergeant, this is how I humanly feel. I feel like I'm already getting judged, because what? Like, uh, other guys, Marines, when they roll up their sleeves, like, they have guns. Like, they have, like, like, you know, 45 cal. I have, like, uh, a 9 mil, okay? Like, in the Marines, it is a lot about physical appearance, right? I remember when I visit your brother's unit, uh, when we first checked in, when we go there, we wear civilian clothes because we can't wear a uniform. And then as soon as they see him, some of these guys start thinking, oh, oh, I didn't know you had a little brother. Oh, oh, is this, oh, is this your friend? Is he a new joint? Oh, and I remember, and, you know, Marines is a little bit like, you know, they kind of like giving, you know, just a nice friendly pressure. So I'm changing there. And they're like, you know, slamming the thing. And, the, you know, they're playing like, you know, fooling around, messing with me. Like, oh. And I was like, okay, this is one of those rare times in my life I pulled rank. I just thought, you know, I'm going to get dressed. I was trying to put on my pants. And I was like, man, take down his pants. And I just started getting dressed with my top part first. Wearing the green and putting on that. Even though I look like a little kid. Because what? My uniform had a chevron, right? And they're, oh, oh, hey, hey, sorry. Oh, that's, that's cool. And because, you know, because you don't want to like, you know, use big boy voice. And then they're like. Bigger than he was like, hey, these guys are beating me up, right? Then they're like, oh, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden, I said, like, okay, you know what? Uh, we're going to go on a run. Oh, everyone run. Hey, 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 sorry, you don't have to run. You can just be in the office and you chill all this. Sorry. All right, that's good, okay? And see, Eric runs, like, okay. And all we do is just drink coffee and talk about war stories, you know? Then all of a sudden, then I'm okay once we start telling stories, okay? But then at the same time, you, sometimes you do things and you don't get the recognition, right? You don't get the recognition. You don't get the recognition. Hey, we're doing, you know, we are doing the work, but I don't fit the stereotype. But we're getting, you know, because in a different unit, they don't know. But, but hey, I am the one that gets the things done, right? But you know what? Is there anyone that gets the things done and don't get fully the uh, focus on glory right now? 
Holy Spirit. Okay? Holy Spirit. Okay? Even if this lifetime, actually he's longer than 70 years, the Holy Spirit. Even if we don't right now, it's okay. Because we're looking forward to who's saying, well done, my faithful servant, Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit is actually our example. He's focusing on the uh, glory of the Son. The Father's focused. And He's right now, whereas the Son focused on the glory of the Father, it doesn't say He's focused. I think that eventually the time will come. The Father and the Son, at the end of Christ's second coming, he, I think, in light of the attribute of God, that God gets glory. In light of the pattern of the Father and the Son, I think He's going to get the glory. Now, there's no verse for that. But I think it's an extrapolation. It's a theologizing. But I think it's a proper one with that. And that should change the way we view our glory. I actually think the less acknowledgement we see now, the glory, the greater the glory is from God when we appear before Him one day. This should totally radicalize the way we see, even when at work, when we don't get the recognition, even at church, when we do... Th- and by the way, you guys know there's some jobs, the greatest glory is people don't notice you. You guys realize that? Uh, people do audiovisual. Most of the time, the AV guys, when do usually people notice their work? When it doesn't work. When it doesn't work. It's like, hey, how come the words are wrong? Hey, how come, you know, or lights, right? It's like when the light's not off. When the light's on, everyone's like, okay, looking for When the light's not on, you turn, hey, Josh, what's going on, right? You talk to me, right? Talk to me, right? Yeah. Security ministry, same thing, right? Uh, some guys are armed. But then if you see they're pulling guns, that's usually something really, really bad that's happening that they need to, right? But most of the time is what? Behind the scene. And they get the glory from behind the scene. Does that make sense? Same thing secret service. If the bodyguard all the time is always in front of people's faces all the time, it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, sometimes they do get the glory. It's like, whoa, cool. But at the same time, the secret service are often what? Behind the scene. Okay? Do you guys realize that? Some things, the nature of your ministry will never be noticed when things are going well. Okay? But it's only when it's not. It's also, oh, okay. But that speaks a lot. Okay? That speaks a lot. And you need to realize that. Okay? With that. Also as well, um, any, okay, we'll stop here.